Welcome to the Guitar Omni Podcast. I'm Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Each episode, we'll chat with a featured guest from the classical guitar world. Candid conversations, unique experiences, and career observations from the people who best know the guitar. This is your masterclass in life and the guitar. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or see Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. So here on the Guitar on My Knee podcast, we're talking to Dr. Jonathan Ganji, 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 depends on where you are, and he's the Associate Professor of Music and the Guitar at Penn State University and also uh, is, is involved in on arts entrepreneurship. So Jonathan, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Carl. I'm thrilled to be here, and I appreciate the invitation. I'm I'm honored that you asked me to join us. So thank ah, you. that's great. You know, just just talk talking to folks in the guitar world and getting getting the word out. So tell tell me a little bit about your your uh, your position there at Penn State, and you you just I think you just told me that you had recently been promoted to associate professor. So that's a big congratulations. That's that's awesome. Yes, I love it when people thank are gainfully you. employed in the field. It's 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 a fantastic thing to hear about. It's yes. inspiring that that still happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, let's see. I'll start. My training is in classical guitar performance. I did an undergrad and master's degree with Steve Aaron at the University. Oh, of that's right. OK, right. And and then um, I, I actually took a year off between my master's and I taught adjunct at um, Ashland University, actually, okay, and, sure. and Muskingum College. Okay. It was Muskingum College at the time for a year. And then the next year, I ended up getting a... During that year, I got an assistantship with Christopher Berg at the University of South Carolina. Right, yeah. And I believe you are an alum of... Absolutely, yeah, I, got, I, did my, I did my bachelor's degree there, finished in 91. Yeah, 91. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, long time ago, <laughs> Christopher still talks about you because uh, somehow you came up and I, I knew of you. I'm not sure. Maybe through Stanley Yates or I'm not okay. sure how or just being from I'm from Ohio. Originally, OK, so I, I was, um, yeah, was going to ask. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I've crossed paths with, with Steve and, and, you know, both his programs at, at you know, Akron and Oberlin a number of times as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's 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 a lot of a lot of crossed paths there for sure. Yeah. So. And. Uh, Eugene was telling me Steve Aaron was w- one of your last uh, guests for the Columbus Guitar Society before the pandemic hit. That or, yeah, that's true. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. I think he 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 was playing with with um with Jane with the mm-hmm. with the flutist. They were the yeah. I actually know Jane because she taught at Ashland University and okay. at Akron when I was okay. there as a student, and um, then I taught there for a year, so <laughs> small world. Small worlds. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but so um, I ended up going to uh, South Carolina, studied with Christopher Berg, so I, I finished a uh, Doctor of Musical Arts in Music Performance, Classical Guitar. Okay. Um, while I was there, um, I ended up meeting one of the leading and early scholars of arts entrepreneurship, Gary Beckman, and he okay. was he was teaching there. And 
I'll tell a little bit more about that side of things. But anyway, I, I had always wanted to teach the business side of things to my, the dream was to get a guitar professorship would, even though I knew they were, you know, more rare than <laughs> unicorns. <laughs> uh, and the dream was to teach guitar students um, some of the business side of things. And Steve right. Barron actually was very good about that with me and his students. And so I, that was kind of always the dream. But then sure. I realized as I was preparing to do my the research component of my DMA, that there was an emerging field in higher education called arts entrepreneurship education. And I realized um, some of the things that I'd been doing, even as an undergrad, which Steve Aaron just called hustle, right. uh, like, you know, <laughs> getting your own gigs, that's actually entrepreneurship. And I was sure. uh, pretty good at it. I mean, I paid all of my bills um, as an undergrad and grad student through guitar related work that I fantastic. Used. Yeah. So I didn't realize that I had, I was doing, you know, arts entrepreneurship until uh, my doctor. But anyway, so then I did my research component on that topic. And then Gary Beckman ended up going to uh, North Carolina State University. And he, he invited me to teach with him there for a few years. And then oh, cool. that gave me some good uh, in the classroom teaching that you know until then all i've done is teach guitar um, right. which is great but it's very different than classroom sure of course yeah um and, and did so, you, so I mean, then i got my job here at penn state yeah so your your doctorate is it's it's in performance it's, yes did you do your document on something related to entrepreneurship you, yes so the, okay. the the research document of the dma is on arts entrepreneurship education yeah okay so, so I'm a guitarist and then I morphed, <clears throat> I morphed into this sec, this additional area. Right. And really the main reason I got the, my job here at Penn state is because of the arts entrepreneurship piece of it. Okay. Um, but then I was able to negotiate things and get, um, more guitar added to it so uh, sure sure so yeah. i don't have a straight it's not like it's not a typical standard guitar position right but it, it's a i'm a i'm a hybrid person and so thankfully here at penn state they were very willing and happy to kind of allow me to be myself and have a, an innovative kind of hybrid position yeah that's I was great. fortunate to to have the deans here at the time who were very forward thinking in that way so that's very cool yeah and and i mean i, I i'm perhaps a little cynical about the academic world <laughs> but but i would i would i would well, say that, and for uh, good reason <laughs> i would i would say this in my, in my experience that kind of thing is rare and and good for you for for being able to to get that crafted you know that's that's really fantastic so and how, how long have you been at penn state thank you thank you so I've been here for seven years. Oh my gosh. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, yeah. It does. I did want to say, you know, I need to give credit to Steve Aaron. Um, even during back in undergrad, he would always be saying, we need to, you know, hustle. You got to create your own jobs. Yeah. And, and I knew that there were no guitar jobs in higher ed. And then when one opens, you know, 400 highly qualified people apply. <laughs> and they and they hired the guy that, that was there teaching part time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I because of uh, his uh, wisdom and yeah. I was always looking for 
something else I could do in higher ed in addition to guitar because I knew that would probably be my best shot. Um, But during my grad, during my master's with Steve Aaron, he suggested that I start a guitar festival and competition. Oh my gosh. At the time I thought he was insane. And, you know, it was very um, uh, scary proposition, but I I did it. And the way it worked was we, um, it was a special topics class basically. And we just would meet at Starbucks each week. And this was right after, do you remember when the GFA was in Oberlin? I think it was 2005. Mm -hmm. Sure. It was right after that. I was 2000. Yeah, I was 2006. Anyway, so we would meet at Starbucks and he has experience producing festivals. So he would just kind of tell me what he knows. And then we'd make a to-do list. Um, sorry, one second. That's okay. You got to Ciara, you got to go, go back up. <laughs> My three-year-old. I'm, I'm busy here, honey. You got to go. What do you need? <laughs> Okay, I can't help you right now. Just go in your room. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> that's that's totally fine. <laughs> but, but so we would meet at Starbucks, and he, um, you know, he would kind of coach me, and then we'd come up with a to-do list, and yeah. he'd say, "Okay, you got to do this and this," and I'd I'd be like, "What? You know, you're yeah, that's crazy." And, and then I would do as much as I could and give a report. And long story short, uh, the first one I pulled off was in Ashland, Ohio, actually. And uh, Steve Aaron, Jim, James Marin, and Mira Lee were my artists. And um, it was great experience. Because they played for free, I actually was, I had like $100 left over. <laughs> so, I, so I split it between them. But, but anyway, that was really the start of me really thinking about the business side of the arts and realizing that um, I, even though it was scary and kind of stressful or very stressful, I I enjoyed it. And so then I ended up doing it um, four more times. I produced it uh, one more time in Ohio and then three times in South Carolina when I was at USC. Wow. Um, And so it got bigger and I learned more about the nonprofit world and grants and, you know, all this, all of it. And so that was really good training ground. Absolutely. um, Oh my gosh. Preparation. You know, most most of us had to learn that stuff, like by the seat of our pants on the fly, you know, after, after that experience, you know, but I, and you know, you mentioned Steve with the hustle and I think that's something I've, I've known him probably, you know, oh my gosh. 30, 30 years now. Oh my, mm-hmm. wow. Um, you know, and that, and that's something that, that I, I've continually been, been impressed by him and the way that, that he conducts oh, yeah. both of the programs there, you know, and, it, and it's, yeah. and it's really smart. And I think, you know, again, you know, maybe I'm just being cynical, but I think, I think that's an unusual approach. You know, I, 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 I haven't seen that kind of attention and, and I had, I think, I think my training was excellent, but I certainly didn't get that kind of emphasis, um, at all well you know when I was in school and, and it was mm-hmm. something that I kind of had in the back of my mind you know always always trying to line things up and put pieces together but not not in that really concrete directed way you know mm-hmm. and, and I think that, you know what a what a what a gift for you and your career to to have had that experience and been been encouraged to do that you know that's that's great and yes. it's not the kind of thing that you Absolutely. as a student you know, you might think, hey, yeah, maybe maybe it'd be fun to do a guitar festival. And then like five minutes later, you're thinking of something else. But it's a different thing when your teacher says it to you and you have the response of, what are you crazy? And he says, no, I'm not crazy. And you should do it. And then you think, 
think, okay, well, yeah, I should do it. You know, so it's, that's yeah, really cool. That is that's that's exactly a fantastic right. thing. And now, now you have all that experience, you've done it, you know what it involves, you know, and that's, uh, that's, that's, right. that's, really, that's very cool. So, yeah. So I got to give uh, credit to a few people. Of course, we all have mentors who shape us. And so, you know, without Steve and then I met Gary Beckman at South Carolina, which was, yeah total you know i i consider it a blessing but it's serendipity or luck or you know sure. whatever you want to call it but um you know you know i i the funny thing about doctorate school is i auditioned you know at eastman peabody all the big ones right and i didn't get into any of them <laughs> and and at the time it was you know pretty depressing and i thought sure. oh i'm you know i must suck and you know right. all that stuff uh, and and then um it turns out i ended up going and then actually i didn't even get in in south carolina with christopher bird the first time i auditioned it's really funny story um do you know who steve sloan is i know he the name, also yeah he was he was with me at Akron, one of Steve Aaron's okay, students, okay. and then he ended up going to, to South Carolina with Berg. But we both auditioned in the same year, and he beat me out for the assistantship uh. with Berg the first year. <laughs> so <laughs> not only did I not get in anywhere, uh, my my roommate and good friend beat me out for the assistantship. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, so I, you know, that that was pretty tough, and that was the year I taught ad, ad, adjunct at Ashland and Muskingum, and then the next year there was a, a different assistantship opened up in South Carolina, and then I got it. So, um, oh I guess part of the story is, you know, I have had success, but I think I've had probably three times as many failures, and I right. feel like, um, you know, I do feel successful, but I also feel yeah. I'm humbled because I know how many times I failed. And also, you know, there's a bit of um, luck or sure, uh, you know, I did not know who I would meet along the way. And right. You know, so yeah, and, and, those, I, and those things pivot. I mean, you know, those you, you can't you can't necessarily plan a trajectory and no. account for all of that. You know, no. you, you, you kind of look at things, you say, OK, well, I'll try this next. And oh, that didn't work out so much, you know. But it, what, what I'm hearing from you right now, which is really interesting, is, you know, that it must have been pretty depressing right and have all that stuff happen right at once. And, it was, and you know, yeah. so you go through this dark time and then you end up being in a place where it worked out great, you know, and, and yes. there's no way you could have planned for that. There's no way you could have like foreseen any of that. It just, you know, the, the sudden, the sudden pivot. And I think for the, the, you know, I always, the life lessons in, in, in that kind of, mm -hmm. kind of thing, I always think, you know, you just, you just keep going, you know, you like, you, you try not to think about it too much and you just say, okay, well, I'll do this next. And on the, yes. and then, 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 then there's this and then, you know, and, and like you said, you know, the, the, um, the people that you meet and, and, and the, uh, the, 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 the pins you bounce off of, I guess, you know, is, is, is kind of interesting how that, how that creates, you know, the yeah, well, story. And, and I will, one of the things that I've learned and I tell my students now is you have to stay active and to use a game metaphor, you have to stay in the game right to you know to to win or you know right. that, that's not a perfect yeah. metaphor but but so i think um even when you get discouraged and you know, nothing's working i think yeah. 
as easy as it would be to just kind of crumble and just lay on your couch, you got to keep, <laughs> you got to keep trying something because yeah. it being active and still presenting as a professional, it, it's, it creates this uh, kind of positive energy. And I think Absolutely. other people that are doing things professionally and are serious will pick up on the fact that you are acting that way and i think um that attracts success Um, i think yeah i think so so. uh as the thing to do is fight against the depression and still be active (laughs) because you never know like it goes either way right you don't know if it will work and sometimes it doesn't but sometimes you get happy surprises too right i think there's a there's a spirit of experimentation about it all too i mean if you're if you're i think if you're healthy about it there is yeah there's because you can't know you can't know what's going to happen so you just say let's try this you know and and, yes it's this constant self-correcting kind of behavior where you know okay well that's not working let's tweak it a little bit or and then you know the the accidents the happy accidents happen and you go wow that worked out way better than i thought and i never thought that i'd be doing this and let's do it it's great you know that's yes, exactly. I, I, love, I love that stuff. I mean, it's fantastic. And I used to tell when 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 I was doing the, the university teaching, I used to tell my students like, "Look, I don't have any secrets about it, but uh, the people that I know who are are working, the only thing they all have in common is they just never stopped." That's you right. Know, like the, the the people that I know that that, that aren't working in the field. It's because they decide they made the conscious decision. I'm going to stop doing this, and and I don't, you know, I mean, I understand that completely. It's it's sure. a tough way to try to make a living, but you know, if you if you just look across the board from from person to person to person and various levels of success, and and even that's hard to measure because, you know, yes. you, you you look at somebody that you you might not know, or you think, wow, that guy's really got it going on, very successful. But maybe he's not happy. And then you have somebody who, you know, on the outside might not look like they're doing great stuff, but is very happy with what they're doing and is professionally active and this kind of thing. So it's it's really success is a really hard thing to talk about that way because it's very personal. But, yeah, I just always used to think that, you know, I don't know. I look at 10. 10 people that I know that I would say are successful or who are working. And the only thing they all have in common is they just didn't stop, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, I know, you know, Matt Hindley. And, oh yeah. Um, what, what, what's been neat is, um, he's actually a student, former student of Steve Aaron's, as you right. probably know, at Oberlin. And over the last few years, I interviewed him and been working on an article about Austin classical guitar and, yeah. Uh, kind of through the lens of some amazing success story that oh man but it's through through the lens of some entrepreneurship theory um so it's an academic article but it's been so inspiring but one of the things that he's big on as you probably know is um redefining success and you know they don't they don't really think their main goal isn't just to place students in to a conservatory uh you know there's they think more broadly, which I, I think is exactly right. And so um, one of the things I do when I teach arts entrepreneurship is try to help students um, have a broader view of success or their own personal view. And, right. you know, there's you may not get an academic teaching position, but maybe you don't want that. Um, right. But you could still use entrepreneurship as a tool to build a career. And I think if students are taught that even in their undergrad days, it really gives them a much better chance than graduating them and then saying, oh, go figure it out on your own. Right. Yeah, good um, luck. <laughs> so, it gives yeah, them some tools. You, yeah. you know, 
you, a guitarist could make a fine living building up a private studio and doing some gigs and, you know, and I think we should celebrate that and Absolutely. consider that as much, if not more of a success than, you know, winning a competition, which is important or it's great, but even sometimes the GFA winners struggle in their sure. careers oh, yeah. um, Absolutely. because, you know, for various things. So I think, um, we should continue to move away from, you know, unless you get a academic job, you're a failure as a guitarist, or unless you win the GFA, you're a failure. Like, you know, no, yeah. you're not. If you're doing what you love, like you said, and you have food on your table, then, you know, great. That's, and it's, that's, it's, it's, it's a much bigger community that way as well. You know, if, 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 if you look at it as including all of those people who are doing all those different ex and exciting thing. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely. I, it's, you know, there's a lot more people at the table then, which means you're going to have a whole lot more ideas, better ideas. It, yeah, it's, it's more vibrant. It's not you know, as close minded. And I think I think that's the exciting thing about about how I've seen things shifting in recent years. And there's there's a I mean, there, there are a number of factors that I think have played into that, you know, the use of technology. And you know, I think one of the things when I think about the past year that we've had too, you know, one of the themes that, that, that has come up in conversations with a lot of people recently is creative people are going to create, you know, and, and if the world changes drastically or the way that people relate to each other changes drastically the way it has over the past year, we just find different, different ways to, to do that, you know, and, absolutely. And, and I think that's really, it's in, in a way it's, it's kind of, it's hopeful and inspiring and exciting mm -hmm. all at the same time. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's like, you know, you, you can't, you can't put a lid on it. It's going to happen. Creative people are going to find a way to, to express themselves and do stuff, you know, and if you challenge them, they'll find a way to, to meet those challenges. And I think that's, that's been, that's been like the silver lining that I've seen in, in, you know, even even doing the podcast for me has been you know it's it's, it's pretty new this is if we're a month in on 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 this and and I've, I've recorded a bunch of them and i've talked to a bunch of people and whatnot but you know i i don't think that had it had it not been for the pandemic and sitting around at home and and you know sure. getting, getting comfortable with doing the zoom thing and, and all right, that right. you know i don't think the motivation to get it going would have been as strong so it's you know it's just, just kind of interesting how that that all takes place so with um, so you, with your entrepreneurship position at, at Penn State, in, in it's arts entrepreneurship. So it's not just even focused on music, right? That's right. So the way my program is, um, they hired me to create a program for the College of Arts and Architecture. Oh, so exciting. most of my classes, yeah, it is. It was very, um, you know, it kind of felt like it did when Steve suggested I start the festival because right. <laughs> <laughs> you're starting from nothing and right. it's just an idea and you have to bring it to life, which is thrilling, but also, you know, it, there's some stress there too. <laughs> yeah. Intimidating. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Um, so I guess the lesson there is just do some things anyway, even if they seem, <laughs> seem like a big, scary monster. Um, do you know the movie, The Edge? It's older, uh, Anthony Hopkins. He gets no. lost in the wilderness and they, they get tracked by a grizzly bear and oh end gosh. up having to kill the bear. Anyway, 
you should watch it people listening if you haven't seen it but there's a scene <laughs> where they're trying to get pumped up to kill the bear and they're all saying you know at first they're all scared and then he starts saying we're gonna kill the the mf and bear and then they just they just keep <laughs> chanting it and then they get all pumped up and they do it and so for me that's what you know lots of things have felt like it's like so after <laughs> yeah, kill the bear yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right kill the bear and then i post a picture of a bearskin rug on facebook to celebrate and i say the bear is dead <laughs> But it, it really is a good motivational tool. But anyway, so yes, um, most of the classes that I teach are for all students in the university. Mostly I get students from art, the arts college. Okay. And then I, I do have one class that's music entrepreneurship only. So that allows okay. for a, a deeper dive into the music industry, of course. Um, right. And then I've worked with some other faculty who teach a visual arts specific entrepreneurship course or a theater one. Yeah. So, so we, it, there's a lot of concepts and skill sets and knowledge bases that are broad and apply to everyone, but then you do need that more um, industry specific knowledge sure. uh, at a certain level. So, so we try to do both. But I, the, the other part of that that, I, that I'm hearing that I think is really cool, too, is, is gives you the opportunity to to cooperate and interface with with artists from other dis disciplines. Absolutely. Which, for, in my experience, has always been just the coolest thing and, and really exciting. And, you know, because like you said, there, you know, there, there, are, there are commonalities. There's there are things that we all think about as creative people and, and they just get expressed through through different media. But um yeah, I, I just think that kind of that that kind of synergistic approach, where you know we're working with artists in other disciplines and and and, and collaborating that way, I think that that's that's so exciting, it's so cool, and and you know, I just it makes me happy to hear hear about that kind of thing happening. So thank you. If if I can, I want to circle back. You're talking about creative people creating regardless of circumstances and adapting. And what's uh, you know, if you're an artist out there that might feel like entrepreneurship is threatening to to art or creativity <laughs> actually that what you were describing just then carl is you could almost describe entrepreneurship that way right because um, really what it's about is creating value of some kind and offering it to somebody who sees it as valuable or helping them see the value of it and then setting up some sort of exchange so you know right i make you know, I'm going to play a concert. You think it's worth the money. So you pay me to do it because I'm going to give you something that's worth more to you than money, etc. cetera. Um, but the entrepreneurial side of things um, is as creative. It feels the same as writing a piece of music or you know, huh. it's, cre it's creativity. It's, it's really right. actually, they're very synergetic and almost, the process, I would say, is virtually identical. Just the outputs are, it would include the artistic output, but also some something else. Right. So connecting the artistic output to other people, which most artists would like to connect their of art. Of course. Right. You know, I think we artists always want that connection anyway, but sometimes we don't know how to make it happen. Right. So I like to think of entrepreneurship as just, it's a tool to help artists achieve their artistic goals anyway. Um, so it doesn't have to be uh, antithetical to art. It's actually right. very, 
synergetic and helpful, or it, it right. can be, can be depending <laughs> on what what flavor of entrepreneurship you are taught. There is a there is one approach that does seem kind of threatening to art, but it doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> right. Well, I think you know, but, I've I've always from myself personally, and 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 you know, other artists that I've seen, I think having a, a, a like a, a good business mind is has always been a challenge for me you know I, I think it's it's something and it's not it's not something that I, I necessarily um, am resistant to it's just it, my brain doesn't necessarily work that way and, sure. and, and it's always been a, a real challenge to, to, to stay on top of that kind of stuff and you know for me it's always been just trying to, at the simplest level of you know hey I need to make sure I return people's phone calls. I need to make sure that I show up on time. I need yes. to make sure that I'm prepared. <laughs> That's you know, right. and, and, and I've been, you know, I've been in Columbus for a long time and, and people have, have mentioned, wow, you know, you got a really great thing going on there. And, and honestly, like my stock answer is, well, you know, I've been here for, for 25 years and I haven't messed anything up too badly. <laughs> you know, that's so, so, you know, I've, I've made myself reliable and, and, you know, yeah. I, like I've been nice to people. So, that's you know, right. I think that, you know, that's, that's how that's gone for me. But I think it's interesting to hear you talk about, you know, that, that, that synergistic approach and, and, and not seeing entrepreneurship as a threat because I think a lot of times when you talk to artist, artistic or creative people about business stuff, they either, you know, they think somehow something's getting tainted or, you know, or like yeah, me, I, I, I never thought of it that, that way. You know, I was never like the, oh, oh you know, the, you know, keep that mundane thing out of out of my my artistic consciousness i'm an artist you know it was never it was never like that for me it's just like hey I, i'm just not good at this business stuff and i'm kind of absent-minded and, and head in the clouds sometimes but yeah, i think there is that that sometimes that attitude among amongst artists of like they don't want to dirty their hands with the that but so to, to kind of yes. frame it and say hey look it's just the same it's just the same thing you're already doing um, that's, I mean, that's a really healthy way to look at it. And, I'm, and one of the things I've always kind of maintained um, for myself and in talking to students and giving, giving advice to them and whatnot is like, you know, good business, it, it comes from good relationships. You know, if, if, if you... Absolutely. If you put your effort into grooming those relationships and forming good relationships with people that you respect and people that, you, you know, you think that's someone who's doing something really good or something that's really interesting to me. I want to get to know them and, and that kind of thing. Then the business flows out of that almost without, I don't want to say without effort, but it's, it's certainly, you know, it's not focusing on what can I, how can I make money out of this thing? It's, it's more like right. how can I create a relationship for this thing and, and things come, come about because of that. Asher, what are you doing? What are you doing, buddy? <laughs> I know. How about if I open the door? What about that? <laughs> yeah, you know, anything. So. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's it's yeah. it's it's, it's, an, it's an interesting thing, and 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 one of the things, one of the things that I've noticed, you know. I mean, I don't remember when I first heard somebody use the term entrepreneurship, but it seemed like it was just like this buzzword that, that popped up, you know, and I started seeing it everywhere. Um, and I didn't really know what it was, you know, and, and I, I read some books on it um, because I thought, you know, back when I was, I, was, I was doing academic teaching, I was thinking, well, you know, this might be an avenue whereby, you know, I, I could get a job and maybe some positions will come open mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe there's something that I can... 
I can think so I you know I read a few books on it and everything and I thought it was really really interesting um, but so how like how did that happen it seems like you were really in on the ground floor of that that kind of becoming a thing and and you know yes what's, so, what's your perspective on how that yeah. all sprung up and became sure well I so I did unknowingly come along at the right time which like we talked about was uh, right. nothing you could <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even know, you know, so for me, I feel like it was a blessing, um, but it certainly seems like luck, you know, a little bit. But but what I did, it was I grabbed luck by the horns and, you know, I said, all right, let's see how far we can go with this. Um, but what helped me get the job was that I had a doctorate, a terminal degree. And I, right. so my I'm, I just got tenure just just last month i got the notice and my yeah thank you it's awesome Uh, but my tenure home is in music and since my doctor's in music that worked so i think at this point in academia the terminal degree is probably um really necessary i know some of my older colleagues are tenured and they you know they're full professors and i think maybe they don't have a doctorate, but at the time when they got hired, I don't believe the doctorate was a Yeah, it wasn't a terminal degree. Um, But I honestly, because I uh, met Gary Beckman, who was one of the leading scholars, and then I worked with him, that helped me tremendously get the job because um, I kind of, you know, got to latch on to his success. what was he doing before, um, you know, everything started to kind of coalesce around the entrepreneurship ideas? Yeah, well, so he got his, he has a PhD in musicology from the University of Texas at Austin. Okay. And um, he got, he started, he had a visiting professorship at South Carolina in 2007. And then I got there in 2008, okay. but he had just finished his doctorate uh, shortly before that but while he was in school at texas he started learning about this and he was involved with an entrepreneurship scholar at austin and they were really big into intellectual entrepreneurship i think is what okay they and so then he was he was one of one of the early not the earliest joe joe roberts um, okay there are some others before him but he he really so he's a he would tell you this. He he's a he loves metal. So he's like growing up. He was a so he's he's got a whole his whole mindset is you know re- metal you know rebellion. So wow. he, what he was what he did so well was disrupt uh, music right. schools sure. around Fantastic. the country and, Love and make them you know like a lot of people. I think he ruffled a lot of feathers. <laughs> right, right. So, well, sure. so he plowed the he plowed the ground. He was the metal mindset guy, and then um, he really made helped to make the case. He and some others, um, yeah. but I think a lot of people would say, you know, he's one of the main people to really yeah. stir it up. But, but he, then was, our, he was he was adapting this idea of intellectual entrepreneurship and saying, hey. We, we could use some of that over here in the arts corner. Yeah. yeah. Well, That's I, mean, I heard him talk about how he, when he was in school, he knew some fellow students who were just exceptional at their instrument, but, you know, uh, would struggle. So I think um, being a musician himself, he, he understood the struggle and, and wanting to 
find, you know, something it's, it's not a magic bullet. It takes, right. you know, entrepreneurship takes as much work as learning guitar, if not more, sure. Sure, uh, sure. but for, for those who really want to, uh, use that tool it can be effective so yeah. he but he played a major role in convincing administrators and then some others in other art forms in higher ed about hey we need to have this for our students because really what drove it to carl was professional outcomes for arts graduates across higher ed which sure. are so you know as we all know they're <laughs> so administratively non-existent yeah, yeah you know so for recruitment, you know, for recruitment's sake, I think administrators in higher ed art programs were, I'm not going to say that's not, they're not sincere about it, but I do think they also looked at it as, oh, well, maybe this will solve the problem. And right. Well, it certainly it does get their attention, help. I would think. Yeah, yeah it, it does help. And it, it it is a missing component to higher ed arts programs. And so I think enough administrators and faculty across the country and the world realized it needs to be more formalized sure and so i just happened to come along and honestly if gary beckman hadn't been at south carolina and actually he was teaching a research methods class for doctoral students that i was in and we had to come up with a concept and that's really when i started to formulate my idea so even if he was huh. there but he i wasn't in that research class with him who knows what would have happened right um, interesting so so then yeah. yeah then uh you know i he was the chair of my dissertation and then he i worked with him at north carolina state yeah. and um around so i got hired in 2014 and probably between 2010 2015 there were just tons of jobs for arts yeah. entrepreneurship education okay. and i just um I just happened to get this one. So. <laughs> yeah. Is it now? Is it? Would you say that it's kind of? It, it, is it still considered kind of a, a, an emerging field, or is, is it starting to get some legs under it? We're, we're saying we're an emergent field now. Okay. We're, All right. Guess, apparently, <laughs> apparently, we've emerged. <laughs> <laughs> you traded the ing for an ent. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, but, but we're uh, still yeah. we're still young. But we sure we've been around, and there's enough. And we have enough um, out, uh, students who've graduated. It's, you know, some students have graduated maybe almost a decade ago now. And so yeah. we do have some positive professional outcomes, right. uh, which are encouraging. And um, so, and yes. is, is there, is there a professional organization um, yes. that everybody belongs to? Yeah. Yes, there are a few. I'm, I'm a founding member of, a new one that we started in 2013. It's called the Society for Arts Entrepreneurship Education. Okay. Uh, so um, I would encourage people to look that up. It's called the okay. Society for Arts Entrepreneurship Education. We started here in the U.S., but we do have some international people that join, and we're looking. We're happy to expand. So yeah. For your international audience, if there's anyone, you know, we, we <laughs> there, welcome there people from, yeah, from all everywhere. over, <laughs> yeah, all over the world. Um, yeah, but it's a group of, it's not just faculty, but there are a bunch of faculty who do what I do, and we right. we have a conference, and there's a journal, you know, all that kind of academic yeah. society stuff. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. But we like to have practitioners join and come to the conference and, you know, because 
our discipline, just like music, applied music is it's an applied discipline. So of course. it's all about boots on the ground, real world effectiveness. And so right. we really value practitioners viewpoints um, because just the academic armchair viewpoint is not enough. We need, you know, boots right. on the ground, real world uh, data. So that's actually why I was interviewing Matt Hensley and why I'm writing an article on Matt Hensley and Austin classical guitar, because clearly oh, right. you know, what they do is boots on the ground, super effective, real world. So absolutely. Um, yeah. That's that's very yeah. very cool, and then uh, the other the other thing that the question that just came up when when you're talking about that was, you know, back towards my the end of my academic career as a student, um, it, there was a similar kind of a, a emerging buzzword type thing in with arts administration that was was happening and, and some of the more practical practically minded students that there were colleagues of mine that you know that was something that they they were they were pushing into. So would you say that, that, uh, arts entrepreneurship kind of grew out of that or interfaces with that somehow, or is it similar or is it completely separate or what's the, what do you think? Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to switch to a hotspot on my phone. It's the connection's getting just a little fuzzy. So it might just be a glitch for a second. Um, and then that's a great question and, um, very happy to answer that. Let me see if I can get this. Uh... Although, are you still hearing me? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> of yeah, course. The, now the, 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 now the video has been yeah. kind of chunky, but the the audio has been great. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. Um, Oh, here we go. Okay, I'm switching to my phone. And you're back. All right, yeah, so excellent question. Yes, so there is also, um, my internet connection is unstable. (laughs) (laughs) I've got you a lot of players. Yeah. It seems like you can hear me, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, great. Okay, so there, there's also an organization called the um, Association of Arts Administration Educators, okay. which has been around longer. And so you're right, arts administration as a field is probably 20 or so years older than arts entrepreneurship. Right. Um, but they claim under what arts administration is, and by the way, to be more confusing, arts management is actually a newer term for arts administration. Oh my gosh. And, okay. and they mean, it's a synonym. They mean the same thing, but kind of the, the new way to say it is arts management. Okay, um, there we go. Which is administration, you know, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yet the society, their group still has administration in the name, arts administration educators. Um, but they claim arts entrepreneurship is a subset of arts administration and we 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 would say no <laughs> but, but so here's a simple way to think about it so administration in the arts or management of a business in the in the arts or in any business sector is usually about 
Um, so when you go to school for, let's say you get an MBA, Master's of Business Administration at Harvard or wherever, some business school, they train you to be hired at an existing business or organization and to be able to help to manage it or run it sure. right away. And that's great. We, you know, management is very important, but um, entrepreneurship is about starting something new. Okay. So now there's also a term called intrapreneurship, oh, which is, which is what, yeah, it, it's when you, you act entrepreneurially within an existing organization or business. So, wow. like, you know, let's say, you know, I got hired at Apple. And it's they not to, often that I that I hear yeah. a, a new word. That's fantastic. Yeah, entrepreneurship. entrepreneurship. So entrepreneurship is kind of the the closest thing to blending entrepreneurship and management or okay. administration. So arts management and arts entrepreneurship are two sides of the same coin, perhaps, okay. but they have different problem spaces. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense. To, yeah. to start, yeah. So they're different tools. So you know, I always like to use this because it's just absurd. But you wouldn't use a chain. <laughs> you wouldn't use a chainsaw to get chicken out of your teeth, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's the wrong tool for the wrong job. So yeah. um, when you start something from scratch or from new and it's totally unknown, entrepreneurial skill sets and tools and ways of behaving work better. But once you build and grow and then you have more known variables, you're able to predict more. So, for example, you know, the Columbus Symphony can probably predict ticket sales for the upcoming year based on historical trends pretty right. well. But imagine if you're starting a brand new symphony in Columbus and you're trying to predict, I mean, you just can't make predictions based off of you don't have any organizational history. So, right. Um, so they're, they're very related at, so entrepreneurs are like artists in that they like to be creative, come up with these new ideas that are just ideas and then bring them to life. And then some entrepreneurs get bored with it after it grows and needs to be managed. And then that's where the managers come in and, you know, keep it organized and make things, you know, so so those are kind of some of the differences. I, I don't think yeah. they don't need to be enemies. I think they're right. friends. <laughs> well, I, I would imagine in an academic setting, there would there certainly should be a lot of overlap in terms of the, the yes. things that the students are exposed to. Um, That's right. So, for example, um, the core core competencies of business management are important for artists to learn and yeah. arts entrepreneurs. Um, but but but. Sometimes what happens in entrepreneurship education is, and this is from the business school, management as a discipline in the business school has been around much longer than entrepreneurship. So they first started teaching entrepreneurship like management, you know, or as if it was management. And then real entrepreneurs would look at that curriculum and they say, that's not how it works in real life. Right. Um, so it's not that management is bad and entrepreneurship right. is good. It's that which tool should you be using for which stage of the of new venture? Right. So that, that that's, if that makes any uh, sense. No, that makes to, total yeah. sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, intra interesting. intrapreneurship is really fun because you could, you could become trained as an entrepreneur or an arts entrepreneur and then get a job at an existing arts organization, but try to bring some innovation to it. And then you could use all of the entrepreneurial 
mindsets and skill sets of course within an existing org to help it grow and be more vibrant which organizations that have been around for years always are needing to adapt and innovate anyway so right um they're they are very related right um but again yeah, the wrong tool at the wrong time. Yeah, it's yeah. really, yeah. really interesting. And then the other, the other question that, that um, and I don't know, I, I don't remember exactly what you said that, that made this bubble up in my brain just now. But I thought, um, you know, interfacing with the commercial music industry, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is, is such a you know juggernaut financially. Like, oh, oh yeah. my gosh, you know, oh, um, yeah. what. What are you seeing in your field as far as that's concerned, you know? Yeah. Um, can you be a little more specific? Well, it just, I mean, it, do you, one of the things, I guess, what it makes me think of is the, the resistance that traditional music education has had to embracing oh. that world is, <laughs> has, is, is kind of, has always been kind of interesting to me. You know, it's like you have all these people who go get music degrees and train themselves to a really high level. And then, you know, over in the other corner, you have people making insane amounts of money, you know, in the, in the, in the commercial music industry and, 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 you know, never the twain show me. Right. right, you know? right. And, and I've always thought that was, I've always thought that, that that's, that's really odd. And, and, you know, I, I know that, that, some of the, the programs where I was teaching, um, you know, there, there were efforts to in, include commercial music disciplines in training and that kind of stuff. But still, I never I never saw it as something that was like really accepted or integrated or there was always that wall. There was always that separation. And I just wonder, you know, with with this with your discipline and, and especially as it being kind of a relatively new discipline. You know, how, how is that, how does that look from your side of the fence on, on. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Great question. So, so a couple thoughts. One is a lot of, so for example, Manhattan school of music back in 2010, they start, they started a music entrepreneurship center. Angela miles beaching was running it and Casey Molino done. Um, and so it's like there's got to be different versions of music entrepreneurship and even music entrepreneurship in the music industry. So for okay. classical jazz musicians, um, what's interesting is if you look on you know the billboard charts, all the music industry charts, there is a category for classical and there is a category for jazz. It's very small. Right. But what it means is almost all of the way the music industry works applies it's just that um, unless you're Yo-Yo Ma, or you, it's still about the big stars, right? So even right. in classical music, there are a few very, it's probably, you know, not even 1%, it's probably 0. 0.00, whatever, <laughs> you know, very small, but there are the stars in classical and jazz, and they do chart on, you know, billboards, and, or you know. Um, so one approach that I've noticed a lot of, people do is how do we teach classical and jazz musicians to make a living in the music industry but not necessarily trying to be yo-yo ma or if you don't or you could try but if you don't what else can you do okay now that does involve some concepts from the music industry and including in you know copyright law and things like that but especially with the consumption pattern changing to streaming music 
Right. Um, even people in commercial music industry or commercial, uh, like popular music styles, unless they're the big stars, they're not making money from streaming yeah. music either. I, you know, so I, they're I, I having to adapt think, and they're saying, what yeah. else can we do to make money instead of selling recorded music? So right. in a way we're everyone's like, you know, for classical and jazz, we're like, well, that's always how it is. But, you know, <laughs> Welcome to our world. <laughs> yeah, for the other styles, we're like, wait, uh, we can't make money from selling our music. So, yeah. so it, it's, it's messy, but I think one of the things, um, and I actually, in my music entrepreneurship class here, I do, we do a deep dive into the music industry, but I always try to say, okay, now does this also apply to classical and jazz musicians? And if so, how, or is what's different about this? Um, I try to encourage a broad sure. view. Sure. And, um, but, you know, we all stream our music on the same platforms, right. regardless of genre. And uh, so I think it's helpful for classical and jazz musicians to learn about the music industry, even the, well, and jazz is kind of sometimes considered commercial music too. It's really just right. uh, classical. And of course, the other issue in music schools and higher ed is, uh, you know, we let the jazzers in, but nobody right. else, right? Right, right. <laughs> uh, how, how magnanimous of them, you know? That's like, not real music, right, you know, except right. for Berkeley or something. But yeah. uh, so it's how do you talk to school administrators to say, we're going to help students still be classical musicians, but also make a living. Or maybe usually what we say is you need to be able to play a variety of styles to increase right. your chance of gigs or teaching. Yeah, absolutely. You know? That was, that was, so, that was always my approach with my students was like, yeah. look, you know, I, everybody has the stuff that they like to play and, and that they're really focused on, or maybe they do this best or whatever. But I said, you know, if, if you're trying to make a living as a musician and somebody calls you and says, hey, I've got a gig, don't you want to be able to say yes to that? You know, right. you don't, you don't, you don't want to say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't play that style. Right. You know, like, <laughs> and, and I, that was, that was always my, my focus with, with those students. And, and, mm -hmm. and I tried to be clear that like, look, I don't, I don't care if you even do this well, but you, you, you don't be ignorant about it. You know, you at least right. know, know how to read a lead sheet and take a, a solo that doesn't, doesn't completely suck over, you know, standard chord changes, you know, right. know, know what the elements of this music are. You know, if you, if, if you need to play some country music, you should be able to handle that too. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it really, cause I think that's, that's kind of how I have always been, you know, Put sure. the patchwork of, of my professional activity together and, and you know, no, I'm not, I'm not anybody's first call list for, for any, you know, any, any intense jazz gigs or anything like that, but I've, I've done it. And, you know, I, I like, I always think, you know, if somebody calls me, I want to say, yes, yes, I can Absolutely. do that. And I don't, and I don't want to be lying to them, you know, right, right. <laughs> they'll find out eventually. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't want to be in that position, you know? So, well, you know, but, um, the other thing this makes you think of is let's, so do you know the group Severite five? No, they're out of, they're out of New York. They're a quintet. Okay. They're a chamber music group and they do all kinds of innovative things. For example, they did a whole album of Radiohead. Oh, tunes okay. arranged for string quintet and um, oh cool they do yeah they have a big career and so for people that might be listening and say well you know i don't want to have to you know i just want to play classical i want to do what i was trained for in conservatory you can and this group is i think they went to juilliard or, you know, yeah 
um, but they still had to be innovative. So they play standard rep and then they do their own arrangements. Yeah. And so they have quite the variety, but I would, you know, they're a good example or Imani wins. Oh yeah. The one. Fantastic. So yeah, yeah. there are lots of classical ensembles, but they're still innovative in some way. You still have to do something new, something unique, but you can still be a classical musician or have an ensemble that tours professionally. Of course. Um, but you just you just can't be um, you have to separate and um, distinguish yourself somehow from right. the competition because remember I mean boy classical music's maybe more, more competitive than any other country, right. right of course yeah, yeah. yeah. The, so, the, the the pedagogical tradition has oh man been so highly developed you know and and I was think. You know, I think I think the the wind players, the young young wind players and young string players, and I mean, they figured that pedagogy out so that you uh -huh. have people, I young like high school age people, who are playing at at a level that was better than any professional twenty years ago. Right, and it's, right. it's, it's insane. It's like, wait a second, you're how can you play like that? You're only sixteen years old. That's not that's not right, you know. But it's exactly. it's, it's 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 awesome. It's great. I mean, it's 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 a testament to the success of our, our field, I guess. But man, wow. Yeah. You know? But I yeah, know. It, it it is. It's so competitive. <laughs> and then you think, you know, in terms of the symphony route, especially as 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 far as wind, wind and, and brass folks are concerned, you know, like. There's only gonna be a couple people in that symphony. There might, you know, there might be thirty violinists, but there's, you know, there's two regular full-time flutists. You know, like, wow. Right. You know? And how many people audition for that one chair when yep. it's open? Right. Yeah. Hundreds. Huge. Or, I, I can't. I can't even imagine that that kind of pressure and that kind of yeah. that kind of tension. So yeah. So you mentioned that you you've got a recording coming up. Um, Yes. And, and I and I, I I recognized the name of the the recording. It it sounded like your name. That's right. Yes. So Mario. So uh, of course in Italian would be Mario Ganji, but I have to work so hard, so I'll just say Mario Ganji. Uh, I'll I'll do the American version. Uh, but he was a guitarist, classical guitarist, and he had a lot of jazz influences too, and composer, quite a prolific composer now in italy he's very well known he's considered okay. one of the most important guitarists of the 20th century wow. he taught at the uh conservatory santa cecilia in rome and, okay. and in naples but he's a he wrote a three volume guitar method uh, the third volume is 22 studies which are incredible and he's got a lot of um he's kind of the master of melody so he's got a lot of um they're almost like pop songs but they're jazz okay. it's it's hard to describe classical jazz and pop all mixed together sure. okay which yeah. i really love um but wow. anyway uh so he he composed so much music that i'm gonna thankfully i get to make more than one album so this is oh, volume wow. volume one okay and uh it's coming out in mid-july and um his he taught at this conservatory and one of his students was, his name's Massimo Della Cese, okay. who now teaches at that conservatory in Rome. And I've been able to meet him and I met the composer's daughter through Massimo. And anyway, Massimo and Massimo's former student have started a, it's a classical guitar organization. Uh, they have a big online presence, but they're also starting a record label. So I've partnered with them to release it because most people in Italy, you know, that's probably the prime market. Although I think a lot of American guitarists, classical guitarists would really love his music. Yeah. It's just very unknown. 
in the U.S. So part of my mission is to promote his music in the U.S. because it's fabulous. And uh, I think uh, it's always nice to hear new repertoire in the classical guitar. Of course, yeah. And, you know, since I I was able to trace our family's histories back to Sicily. So my great-great-grandfather, Rosario, came from Sicily through New York in the early 1900s. And um, Mario's family is from Palermo, um, generations back. There's also a little town in Sicily called Ganji, which is my last name. Okay. And uh, so... I don't know for sure that we're related, but it's, you have, it's close. How, how it's could close you not? Enough, right? I mean, how could you not? And, and <laughs> like, what is, he's he's not still alive, right? No, he was okay. born in 1923, and okay. he died in 2010. Okay. And you know, another cool thing, um, uh, Mario Castellevo Tedesco. He wrote a bunch of postcards based on uh-huh. people's last names. Yeah, and he was he was good friends with Mario Ganji, and wow. he wrote uh, one of his postcards is on okay. the last name, my last name, G A N G I. So, oh, um, cool! It's great. Yeah, and Mario had a TV show. He had a duo with a famous singer and actor, Fausto oh Chiliano. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, as I learned more about him, it was just like, I can't believe, you know, Wow. this is just huh. nuts. So it's a really cool story. He's an amazing person. Do you know anything about like who he studied with or, or any of, of that? Well, so <clears throat> when he was in school, which this will sound familiar, they didn't have a guitar program. So he, right. studied, <laughs> he studied upright bass. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. he started the guitar program okay. at the conservatory where he was a student as wow. bass, and he took composition, I believe, too. Sure, sure. Um, his dad played jazz guitar, and I think he okay. taught him guitar when he was young. Uh, okay. And uh-huh. uh, so, do what you know the they? piece "Nunk Nunk N U N C"? It's mm-hmm. uh, well, I, I'm forgetting the composer starts with a P. Is that Petrucci or something like that? Um, but anyway, he dedicated that piece to Mario. Oh, cool! Mario did the world premiere for that um, for that piece. So he really is a big deal in Italy. We just don't Amazing. really know about him in the yeah. U.S. Uh, and, so. and I mean, is this just something because he has the same last name that you partially caught, so caught your attention? Yeah, way back in undergrad, I I bought a arrangement of a Bach Prelude from. Um, Oh, what's it called? One of those Italian publishers. Um, but anyway, on the back, they listed other things that they had, and I saw his yeah. name. And then <laughs> I was like, you know, at the time, I, I'm in guitar history class, learning yeah, sure. billions of people, and you just kind of fantasize, oh, what if, like, someone in my, you know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I see, I see my name, and I'm thinking, what? Um, but then, not until a few years ago did I realize the full extent of his output. I only knew of three little pieces and a, son- a sonatina that he wrote. Yeah. Um, but now it turns out, you know, he's he's also a prolific arranger. So he even did a whole album of Beatles tunes. Oh my gosh! Arranged with this kind of jazz pop style. Yeah. Which is wow. Cool and. Uh, huh. Italian folk song, you know, just it's just almost endless. So, yeah, um, I encourage people to uh, check it out. And I'm going to try to be um, Steve Aaron actually suggested I write a soundboard article about it, which is yeah. a great idea. Um, Absolutely. It is kind of yeah. introduce him um, to to the U.S. audience. Sure. It's, it's sure. funny uh, in Italy. He's a huge deal. And 
so when sometimes when I meet Italian guitarists, they always ask me if I'm related to them. <laughs> now I can say, <laughs> now I can say, well, I think so, and I have an album from now. <laughs> that's very cool. That is that is that's great. Yeah. And did and a, where did you record it? So um, here at the Penn State School of Music Recital okay. Hall, we yeah. just a few years ago we got a uh, we're we got a new recital hall built, and it sounds it's fantastic. It's just yeah. gorgeous sound, and um, I was able to get a grant through the college for to pay an audio engineer, one of the uh, one of our staff engineers. Sure. Here. Um, yeah, so we recorded it. We started it before the pandemic, and then we got delayed, of course. And so uh, it was an interesting process because I had to try to keep some of the repertoire fresh for right. months because we couldn't even get into the hall. Um, oh, my gosh. And we, we finally finished it last, uh, like, the end of July last year, and then um, – just taking forever but it's almost it's yeah. going to be out in a month so. <laughs> right, right. And, and what what's yeah. it, you said it's on, on an italian label yeah but it'll be uh digitally distributed globally yeah. so you, it'll be on all you know everything yeah um, spotify itunes it's called ganji plays ganji <laughs> that's fantastic uh, delizioso because one of the pieces is called delizioso so okay great uh, yeah and and it, it, what's the what's the connection with the 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 record label? How did you? Well, so um, Massimo uh, Della Cese is he's one of the classical guitar teachers at this conservatory in Rome, and he was one of Mario Ganji's students. Okay. And so I just reached out. I, I met him over Facebook, and then I realized he's like the Manuel Barueco of Italy. Uh -huh. um, but he was really nice to me and I actually brought him over to Penn State and he played a concert. Oh, cool. Um, this was right before the pandemic hit, actually. Right. And then during the pandemic, Massimo and another guy in Italy started, uh, they just started producing digital content because of the pandemic, we're all locked sure. in. <laughs> and then they decided to make a record label. So, um, there's I a think mine, lining. yeah, it's called News for Guitar, which, you know, I'm not sure why they picked it. Is that, that a translation? Hey, yeah, yeah, I know. But but I like it. Um, so if you look up uh, News for Guitar Italy or something, it should come up. Yeah. But oh, cool. this will, I think my album will be their, their first release. Um, I went oh, with them because, because they're in Italy. And right, he's sure. Mars, and there's a, a connection there. Yeah. And, oh, that's fantastic. And they know his daughter, you know, so... Um, and they know a lot more people than I do. So it just Great. helps to build, expand the network. And, yeah. uh, it's really about getting the music out and people sure. hearing it. Uh, I, it's not really to make money, especially with streaming, you know, <laughs> we don't expect to make money. It's more about sharing. It's really, really good music. So, yeah. um, I hope people can listen to it and let me know if you like it or not. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think you will, but maybe not everybody likes everything. I'm sure, I'm sure somebody will. <laughs> I, it's the kind of music where your average person will love it. Nice. Uh, it was funny. The engineer said um, when we were making it, he said, you know, I think this is a recording that people actually want to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> which, which struck me as uh, pretty, pretty Recorded a lot of classical music, have you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
exactly it's uh yeah so but that's the album yeah yeah that's great man that's 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 really cool and i know that you're 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 working with us here in columbus um for the, the the initiative to get um some enrichment into into the the juvenile corrections uh, programs going on here. Yeah. Um, we should we should right. talk about that because you know sure, we, we both have kind of have some things going on with that. And yeah. so you reached out to us, which I thought be, I thought it was really really kind of curious, you know, and and because um, you're you're in Pittsburgh, and I, my my first thought was like, oh, why is, why is, why is he? Yeah. Why does why yeah, is actually he in, in Pittsburgh? In, you know, like, <laughs> I'm actually in yeah. No, it's, I'm actually in Central Pennsylvania. <laughs> right. You know, you're that's right. You're state, state, college. state college. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're e- east of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I you know but and and you explained to me. You said you know well, you and you can correct me if I if if I if I mess this up, but like. You had you had done some research on a similar program that that has been very successful as it seems like everything that Austin classical guitar has, has done. Right. Um, <laughs> and and you 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 said you know this Columbus has a similar demographic. There's and there's a society there that, that can help help to push this forward and that That's kind of right. thing. So look at looking at the the data. You said well that that would be a perfect place for for this. And I th- I think that's just that's just really kind of interesting, you know, because I, I always think. <laughs> Those kinds of things usually probably bubble up from a local source, you know, like, yeah, and what a what a what a cool thing that somebody's you know, somebody from not from Columbus looked over and said, hey, this this right. is the perfect place to do this. Let's go. Let's go for it. So just, you know, for for because I, I know what we're talking about. You know what we're talking sure. about. But if, if you can just kind of like do a, a, an overview so so people know what we're talking about here. Absolutely. Yeah. So I had mentioned earlier um, being inspired by Matt Hensley and the work that Austin Classical Guitar is doing. And um, I wrote an article about it. So it's been in my mind for the last couple of years. And um, especially the juvenile justice teaching initiative is just really um, compelling to me and meaningful. But what they do is they teach guitar to um, kids who are for whatever reason, ended up in the juvenile justice system. And it had, for Austin classical guitar, they've had a lot of positive outcomes in terms of helping the students have something good in their life, uh, something they work toward and uh, see results. And I think Matt was telling me, a lot of these kids um, unfortunately get involved with gangs and that's how they're in in juvenile prison and usually what they're most applauded for is for doing something that the gang approves of Um, and they the kids have told them with guitar and finding some success or progress with it and they would actually perform for the judges in the courtroom where they got sentenced which is really cool it it gave them something to be proud of that's positive other than what you know what the gang would say is positive Um, And so it's really meaningful. Many of them finish school, even go on to college and study music. And oh my gosh! So for me, I was just really inspired by that. And um, I thought, well, I don't know if it can work, but let's try it. So yeah. since I'm from Ohio, and I still know a good bit of people there, I decided to uh, 
after looking, like you said, I did some research online and Columbus has similar infrastructure. All the pieces are there. Um, where I live in State College, it's very small and isolated. So right. we don't really have that. Um, so I reached out to the class, uh, Columbus Guitar Society last summer and it turned out that Eugene also has a, a heart for community service. Sure. And you guys knew of Austin Classical Guitar yeah. and also Cleveland Classical Guitar and what they're doing. Yeah, they've, they've, their program has been fantastic. I mean, like, yeah, they're, they're really, really inspiring. Exciting. Yeah, so <clears throat> I just said, hey, this sounds crazy, but <laughs> what do you think about working together on this? Yeah. And it's been slow but steady and sure. Um, and so, so, I know that there, there's just recently been some some big movement on on yeah. On that. Well, and so that's exciting, and I know that we're, we're yeah. planning to get together and talk about all that kind of stuff. And but it's, I'd say, yeah, that's 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 exciting to hear. Yeah, part of the reason I thought we should do a, uh, Columbus. So, for example, my brother-in-law who lives right in Central Ohio, he works for a financial services company who also has a big community service component. It's called okay. Modern Woodmen of America. Oh yeah, they're, yeah. They're a fraternal organization, which right. means they. They're actually nonprofit and they have, they do a lot of community service. So he's a managing partner in central Ohio. And so I just asked him if there was potential cause I, I knew what he does and it's actually a really great fit. So uh, Modern Woodman is able to kick in some money to buy some guitars. And yeah. then we're making contact with some, the various staff people in the juvenile justice system in Columbus to connect. So we needed two things. We need guitars. We need or three things, guitars, teachers, and students. Right. <laughs> so I think you and I, and maybe some others will yeah. teach. Um, then modern women can help with some instruments for the kids. And then um, now we're connecting to the right uh, people to connect us to the kids who could benefit right. from it. And they also have a, um, what's it called? Uh, it, basically, they have one component of it where they try to help keep kids out of juvie, which um, it's a prevention center, basically. Sure. Yeah. Which, uh, so we're going to be reaching out to them and connecting with them. So if we can help kids from even being there in the first place, right, then that's course. great, too. Um, so we're just going to start probably there and probably just have a few kids that we teach initially and yeah. see if we can continue to raise some money and build from there. Um, yeah. And again, I think, I think you know, if, if, if uh, this is, this, this is definitely an entrepreneurship kind of thing. I mean, right? Absolutely. Like, uh, Absolutely. With a very compelling uh, social mission, you know, social right. justice mission, which is yeah. also meaningful to me. So to, to be able to combine arts, entrepreneurship, guitar, and yeah. helping these kids, uh, it, you know, it sounds uh, fantastic. It sounds yeah. absolutely fantastic. And I, you know, the, the, the idealist in me looks at something like this and says it, it, it has to succeed. I mean, how could it not? It's got so many things going for it. You know, That's like right. it, it's, it's a no brainer that it would, it would be successful, you know? And I think, you know, again, that idea that, that business comes from, from relationship and, and, building community and, and all those kinds of things are, you know, that's, that's, that's a really important aspect of, 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 of that, you know, and, and if Absolutely. We're talking, talking about entrepreneurship, I think, I think that's, that's gotta be, you know, 
again, not not the focus on on being being the business person making the money, but like, hey, what are you what are you doing for your community? What what value yes. are you are you injecting into the community? Because we all have communities, whether we like it or not. Like you know, that's everybody right. belongs that's to right. to communities, and I think that's a, it's, it's a really important thing to to talk about and to get into. So, but yeah, I'm I'm just I mean like I. I'm happy that you you reached out to us and 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 that that's that's taking place and it's it's really cool and you know I know that like I tend to be kind of scatterbrained and and, and super busy and 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 I look at this and go yeah like I need another thing to get into but like right. this is really really worthwhile and I and I want to I absolutely want to want to get into it and 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 I think yeah it's great really well I'm so, so I'm so glad that uh, you know I just. I just reached out to Eugene out of the yeah. blue last summer and I had no idea if he'd even yeah. respond to me. And <laughs> even his first response was very positive. He was like, oh yeah, I know about Austin classical guitar. Uh, you know, yeah. let's talk. So I'm really appreciative of you guys being so open to it. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think uh, it's going to be great. That's exciting. That's awesome. Great. Well, I think, I think, uh, I think we're probably drawing close to the end here, unless there's anything else that, uh, you can think of that. that well, we I was curious. About. I don't know if it's <laughs> pertinent for this, but you had, you connected to this acoustic cafe new business. Yeah. 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 Have, have you talked to those folks or no, did you no, I just saw your, no. And if that it's not came, relevant. No, uh, I think now, it is relevant. I think it's me. absolutely relevant because, um, and it's kind of interesting because the way that this all came about was again, through, um, you know, me starting the podcast and, and, and talking to people about being on the, on the podcast. Um, Jessica, what's her last name? Um, the guitars in the classroom. Are you familiar with that organization? No, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a nonprofit organization that has, is designed to, to really help, you know, the, the emergence of, of guitars in secondary education. There's been a real big thrust in, in that world in, in the past decade or so, you know, and, and, and in music education circles, I like actually one of my jobs at, at Otterbein was to teach music educators how to teach guitar in the classroom. Oh, you know, awesome. And, yeah. but there's, in in here in Ohio, there, there's been a big, a big push to, to get that activity happening. And now like in, in the Ohio Music Education Association, the OMEA that does, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the festivals every year where the students sure. go and get adjudicated playing solos and everything. Guitar is now a full part of that. And they have you know, oh, repertoire awesome. lists Wonderful. and the whole thing. And, you know, they're still working out some of the details. And one of the, one of the, the, the problems, well, I see it as a problem. I'm, I'm sure that, that my colleagues in music education probably don't see it as much a problem, but it's it's been something that a lot of people have talked about is you know we need to make sure that the people who are teaching guitar in the schools are guitar experts not yes. music educators who have had a semester of guitar training you know and right yeah so there's there's a lot there's a there's a there's a lot of friction that way, but anyway, the guitars in the classroom is is a um, it's a nonprofit, and I don't I I've talked to Jessica a couple times. I don't know mu that much about the organization, where she's based, or any of this kind of stuff. But I thought this is going to be somebody interesting to have on the podcast to talk to. So I, I, in the process of talking to her, she mentioned that she has been. Um, there's a sponsorship of some sort coming from the acoustic coffee guys. 
And oh. she said, hey, you should talk to these guys. And one of them lives in Columbus. So, you know, um, oh, and they're, okay. they're guitar enthusiasts who are successful business people and kind of, I think, retired or semi-retired or some, something okay. of that nature. And they're looking for a venture that is, you know, a commercial venture, but also something that helps to feed their enthusiasm about the guitar community and also oh. helps to give back in charitable ways oh, to wonderful. not only the guitar community, but also the community community, like, you know, right. the, the health and sure. well-being of the people that, that live around them. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's what's what's happening with that. And, and they're they're within striking distance of, of, of opening. And it's 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 an online sales presence. They're not doing any brick and mortar stuff. Um, and they, I, th I think they've worked it out. They've got all the, the coffees, and they know they're they're roasting blends, and they have all the sourcing for that that worked out. And I saw I saw um, uh, a draft of their website, and one of the things that I thought was really kind of I mean such a simple idea and so cool, but I would never have thought of this. Is you know they they really like the idea of hey I'm gonna pour a cup of coffee and sit down with my guitar and and play some stuff. Oh, so nice. one, of, one of the features on the website is get your coffee, sit down, and here's today's thought of the day about, you know, chords or reharmonizations or, hey, have you ever thought to play this song like this? You know, something uh -oh. like that would take, oh, you know, cool. about the length of time it would take to finish a cup of coffee to get into. Oh, that's you know, and just and I, and Yeah, I, I just thought that's what a great idea. What a cool thing Absolutely. that is. So that's, that's, that's what that's all about. And, oh, okay. And, you know, they they had talked about you know wanting to to be involved in charitable activity and whatnot. And I said, well, you know, you should we should we should definitely make that connection with the Guitar Society and this the, the you know the juvenile initiative and see you know see Great. if there's some some things that could be built there. So you know that's well, that's excited. what that was all about. Yeah. Well, that's actually just circle back um you talked about staying active and just doing something yeah. that's a really great example because you're doing this podcast then you know you met them right. and then yeah. you can tell tell us about them and mm -hmm. you know yeah so you can see very that. cool it really very, does very work cool. that way yeah yeah, yeah. So, great well, it's, it's been it's been awesome to talk to you man absolutely I really really appreciate it and and i think i think we should definitely get you back for another chat at some point in time sure. um Good luck with the recording. Good luck with uh, getting back to uh, hopefully teaching in person and, and yes. being in the, in the classroom again and get, yes, getting off of screens yes. and all oh, of that. Oh, yes. Kind of stuff. <laughs> well, yes. I, and it, yes. enjoy the rest of your summer before <laughs> before that all gets going in the in the fall. So, and I'm, I'm sure we'll be in, be in touch about all of the the Guitar Society stuff as well. So, but absolutely. Really, well, thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. This is Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Guitar on My Knee podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. Mm -hmm.